so what happens is to survive, the cells start sucking in more sugar. And so this is the root of this metabolic sugar addiction that people have. And that's the root of many of hangry. And it's the root of the other problems that you get when your metabolism is disrupted by seed oils. And the name of that disruption, we have a name for it. It's called insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is the very beginning stages of diabetes. So it is something everyone's heard about. Welcome to Love and Life. I'm Dr. Karen Anderson Abril here with my co-host, Pastor Elliot Anderson. And Love and Life is your place to hear conversations grounded in psych research, psychotherapy, and biblical truth to help us thrive in love and life. We've all heard it a million times. You are what you eat. And of course, it's true. Every cell in our body relies on and is sustained by the nutrients we ingest. So on a physical level, this is pretty obvious. But the more research I do, the more I realize how much this adage, you are what you eat, pertains to our mental health as well. In some ways, I think about all the work I've done as a psychologist. As many of you know, I've always found so much power in cognitive techniques. When we take charge of our thoughts, we take charge of our lives. And I absolutely stand by cognitive strategies. More importantly, though, research substantiates the effectiveness of CBT, Cognitive Behavioral Therapy, and ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, and other cognitive modalities. That being said, how much easier is it for us to take charge of our thoughts if we're fueling our bodies in a way that supports our thinking and emotions? That's why Elliot and I concentrate on mind and body and spirit. Today's episode is part two of my conversation with Dr. Kate Shanahan. If you haven't had the chance to listen to the beginning of our interview, be sure to check out episode 263. Here's a little bit more about Dr. Kate. Kate Shanahan, MD, is a board-certified family physician whose books have taught a generation of ancestral health influencers and nutrition-oriented MDs about the benefits of bone broth, organ meats, fermented foods, and the damaging effects of a collection of eight common oils, the hateful eight, that she believes to be the ingredients in the Western diet most responsible for obesity and inflammatory disease. Besides regularly appearing in and writing for national media, she has also worked as director for the Los Angeles Lakers Pro Nutrition Program. Part two of my interview with Dr. Kate, right after this. We'd love to connect with you further via our weekly newsletter. Joining the Love and Life family gets you first access to bonus content and flash sale pricing for books and consultations. And when you sign up, you'll receive Karen's Empowered Dating Playbook or my Empowered Marriage Playbook. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com to join the Love and Life family. Let's talk a little bit about how that processed food. So almost every cracker you pick up, almost every seed oils are in things that you would never expect. And then there's sugar in there as well. So your typical salad dressing is going to have a soybean oil or a canola oil or a sounds real nice. High oleic sunflower oil. Sounds crunchy, hippie granola. (laughs) And also sugar is in there. So then what happens with the combination of the two? Just double whammy of negative effects? Yeah, so absolutely. 
so the seed oils have an effect that is worse over decades and improves over years. And what I'm talking about is seed oils basically give us diabetes, right? We often think that sugar, because it's sweet, because it's... (laughs) because diabetes is a disease of dysregulated blood sugar, high blood sugar. We often think, most people out there still now are talking about how sugar is the cause, the root cause of insulin resistance and diabetes. But no, there's actually very limited experimental evidence that you can give animals diabetes on purpose using just sugar. But there is an unlimited amount of evidence that you can give it animals diabetes using polyunsaturated fatty acids. And also there's an unlimited amount of human evidence because that's the experiment that we've been running. Having both sugar and seed oils in a product isn't instantaneously bad, really. It's just that it's individually bad. The seed oils are bad because of the way they affect your metabolism and that is cumulative. And the sugar is bad because if they have too much at once, it does all that damage we talked about. It makes things sticky and accelerates the aging process and it reinforces addictions. But the two together over time really are where they have that incredibly unhealthy synergistic effect on our metabolism, on our health, on the aging process, on our hormones, on our mental function. It's the two together synergistically over time. And so I think it's important to understand that because first of all, it means that you're in it for the long haul. You can not you can try it for 30 days and you will feel amazingly better. But to really see the needle move on your health, people are always like, how much do I really, how important is it to really avoid every, avoid it when I'm eating out? How important is it to avoid when I'm over at my friends? And I would say, Obviously, it's better than not avoiding it to only avoid it at home and not avoid it anywhere else. But just from working with people over time, I hear that I really didn't notice the massive improvements until I avoided it pretty much everywhere. Eating out, you just don't get fried foods unless you know it's fried in tallow. And eating out, you just don't have anything that was made with this as a main ingredient. So eating out, you just say, hey, is there anything that you can cook that's, that's cooked in butter? Because right. olive oil is too much of an argument these days because they don't even have real olive oil, but it will say olive oil on the label. It'll be a blend and the server's not going to notice. So that's really where we're at. And, but it's worth it. And if you do that for just two weeks, you're going to notice a difference. And if you keep doing it, you're going to notice continued, subtle, but real improvements. And the biggest place that I noticed things first was just my mental energy. And I I feel like it changes, it changed not my personality so much, but my ability to have a personality, (laughs) I guess I'll say, became extended. Because when you're tired, that's not yourself almost, right? right? You're just, just, I don't want to talk. I'm <laughs> leave me alone. I just want to veg out. Right. Yeah. And so when you get these seeds out of your life and you start getting your metabolism healthy and you get enough protein and all the other things that are in the five steps that I talk about in the fiber fix, you, you just, 
you are yourself for longer. You get more out of yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you focus a lot about that in the fat burn fix, about the energy and how that is so, like you said, if you don't have energy, then you're not yourself and you're not able to do the things that are on your to-do list and on your goals and, and your dreams and your desires. So it really starts with that, how much energy is available to you. And can you talk a little bit about, you mentioned some mental health elements, which I'm, I just read Dr. Christopher Palmer's book, Brain Energy. Oh my gosh. So he is sharing some remarkable stories as a psychiatrist with the most severe mental illnesses, schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, bipolar one, and with a ketogenic, which is very similar, although you're not suggesting that we should all go straight keto, but it's keto-esque, but his, the ketogenic diet has really provided some mental health recovery for some of these chronic mental health concerns that traditionally no one ever thought a schizophrenic was ever going to get off their medication. So speak to the mental health a little bit, if you would, please. Yeah. So I was getting glimpses of this, not just through my own experience, but because I would have, my patients would be telling me that their relative or somebody they knew had made these changes, right? Patients who were in jail. That's why I couldn't see them. Right. (laughs) Patients who were like, had been so disabled and bedridden that they couldn't even get out and see the doctor. And so one of them, one of the first people that really opened my eyes to the potency of seed oil's ability to damage our brains was, he was actually a pastor and his son had been in jail. And so he'd been in and out of jail and half houses and he actually read the book because I guess they have plenty of time there. And a lot of people get degrees and stuff while they're in jail. (laughs) He had read the book. And then as soon as he was released and had like the choice of what to eat, he made the changes. And his father said that his father, who was a pastor, said this about his own son. He said, he literally wasn't good for anything other than jail. And now he's getting out of bed. He's taking control of his own diet. He's at that point was like starting to volunteer, you know, and it was amazing. And he wasn't taking at that at first he was still taking medication, but then I checked back with him years later and he said, yeah, now he has a job and he's off med. It, It can be done. And he wasn't following a keto diet. And I really think that the main reason the keto diet works is because it de-emphasizes seed oils, depending on how you do it, right? When we mm-hmm. say keto diet, we have to realize that the keto diet just means more fat it does, and less carbs. It doesn't specify the type of fat. Generally, because people love cheese and butter and stuff, they end up eating more of that. But if they have mayonnaise, if they go out to eat and have sauces on their meats or their veggies are cooked in the aiolis that are just loaded with these toxic seed oils, then they're still getting too much. They're still getting too much to really experience all the benefits. I see this all the time. Like I see that there's this whole low carb community and they attribute all these benefits to just cutting out the sugar. And they really, they, maybe some of them now that this has been a topic of conversation for so many Mm -hmm. years, they now they give a little bit of lip service to seed oils but they don't understand just exactly how disruptive they are to your body. Seed oils literally can kill mitochondria, which generate energy in your brain. They generate energy in all of your body cells. And they literally cause mitochondria to shut down. There are experiments that show this. They test this. They tested 
the types of fats in seed oils and the types of fats in traditional foods, which are more saturated fat and monounsaturated fat. And they tested that in cells. And it just showed that it just it shut the energy production down, which, which kills the cell after a short time. So what happens is to survive, the cells start sucking in more sugar. And so this is the root of this metabolic sugar addiction that people have. And that's the root of many of hangry. And it's the root of the other problems that you get when your metabolism is disrupted by seed oils. And the name of that disruption, we have a name for it. It's called insulin resistance. And insulin resistance is the very beginning stages of diabetes. So it is something everyone's heard about. And studies show that 99% of the American population, it, more than 99% actually, is at least in the early stages of insulin resistance. And this is not a surprise if you understand yeah. that it's the seed oil that caused this stuff. And the reason I say we have a lot of experimental data on humans is because we've been running this experiment. So we've been ramping up our seed oil production. And for a little while in the 70s and 80s, we we're ramping up our sugar. But since the year 2000, we've been ramping down our sugar and our carbohydrates have gone down and obesity rates have gotten worse and diabetes have gotten worse. And that is very powerful data that everyone's overlooking. We've been continuing to increase our seed oils, continuing to be more and more unhealthy as we've cut down our carbon sugar consumption over the last 20 years. And I still hear these metabolic experts going, oh yeah, sugar causes insulin resistance, sugar. And it's look at that lack of correlation between sugar and obesity. I'm sure you've talked about correlation is not causation. I talk about that a lot. Very important. But the other side of that is without a correlation, there cannot be a causation. You have to have that for there to be a cause, for it to be a causal relationship. Otherwise, it's just coincidence. Otherwise, I mean, there's otherwise, it's a non-factor. You can't, People should be not talking about sugar as the primary cause and seed oils as just, oh yeah, by the way, if you can do that, yeah, it's important, but don't stress, <laughs> like don't stress, but right. just focus on this. <laughs> and to your point, the seed oils remain in your body. What's the half-life They for years, right? So even if I today stop all seed oils, my body's still dealing with them until yep. how long? Until you are no longer insulin resistant. That's how long. And it's probably going to be a couple of years. Right. But each, the thing I like to tell people is that these things are promoting inflammation. So they're making you miserable now in one way or the other, most likely. A lot of people get bloating and digestive problems that just magically disappear when they stop eating the seed oils. Other people had skin problems that stop, serious ones, acne, something called hydratinitis superativa, which is just a devastating, horrible, painful form of acne in the most embarrassing parts of your body, your groin and <laughs> under your arms and stuff, but major changes because these things were promoting inflammation too. They aren't just making us overweight. They aren't just causing insulin resistance and diabetes. They're causing inflammation. They're causing plaque to build up in your arteries. So as you get them out of your diet and they slowly come out of all the tissues they've been in, in your body, especially your body fat, you just getting, you just get healthier and you can watch it turn around on certain blood tests that I also talk about in the fat burn fix, less than 10 different blood tests that you can track to see what's happening with your metabolism and better understand what's going on in your body that I, I think are a lot of fun to watch. It's it's one thing to know that you're doing the right thing and feel better, but it's also good to see that inner proof. <laughs>
And those are, that's going to be a part of a panel you'll probably have to request because it's not going to be your typical blood work panel that your doctor's going to routinely give you a referral for lab work. You mentioned mitochondria. So I do want to touch on that for just a moment because that's been so connected with this intermittent fasting movement. And so what are your thoughts on that? Whether people go to like the OMADs, the one meal a day people, or people who do like different intervals of intermittent fasting. I've heard that it is helping to strengthen your mitochondria. It gives it time to clean house in your cell, so to speak. Again, I know just enough to make me dangerous. So clarify that. What do you think about that? Is that a good approach for some people to integrate with your fat burn fix protocol? It's built into the fat burn fix protocol. And so I actually tell people when they're good for that. I don't have everybody start out that way just because I'm I'm a first do no harm person. And I think some people are so metabolically damaged that it's actually unhealthy for them to force their bodies to go through that kind of hypoglycemia symptoms that I I teach people to look for. So it's all, there's a lot of learning involved in making sure you're doing intermittent fasting in the most healthy possible way. But ultimately, the short answer is intermittent fasting helps mitochondria because Here's why. It's so important to understand why. There's such a thing as energy toxicity. And so if you're constantly eating some of these fuels, our bodies cannot really keep them out of our mitochondria. Just because we never really evolved to, to have these highly processed sugars, processed proteins do it, and of course the seed oils do it. So these things force their way into the mitochondria. The mitochondria almost can't say no very easily. And that creates energy toxicity. And so if you just, you know, don't want to have to pay attention to seed oils or this or that or the other thing, it is an easy way to reduce that energy toxicity, right? So it's like the bargain basement version of, <laughs> of improving your mitochondrial health. And so it's way better than not doing anything. Now, if you want to do it optimally, you'll follow my program to the T. But a lot of people read the book and they're like, I don't want to do that. I want to try this intermittent fasting thing because everyone's talking about it. And I just want to see what it's like. And that is totally fine. Because honestly, it's only theoretic. It's only, I have reasons and we can go into that if we have time, but I have reasons to believe what it could make you burn more of your muscle. And mm-hmm. that's my big concern. That's why I don't think it's healthy for everyone to just dive into at least not too much, right? Mm-hmm. So not like try to, they will disproportionately lose muscle potentially. And that's actually been tested in clinical human trials, as well as many other, just like it's been incidental finding in a lot of other trials that for some reason or other, people are losing, they're oxidizing protein, which means that they could be losing lean muscle mass. And then actually one study showed that they do lose lean muscle faster. You want to try it? Go ahead. I wouldn't go crazy. I wouldn't try and lose more than five, 10 pounds with intermittent fasting. Because I think at that point, you could be doing real danger. You could start to lose heart muscle. And I, as first do no harm, (laughs) I can't advocate for that. But it does reduce that energy toxicity. It doesn't require knowing anything about anything except for watching the clock. (laughs) And so in that sense, it's really can be a great tool for a lot of people who are just too busy to figure out all the other stuff. Yeah. And I hope that as people become more acquainted, because again, like I said at the top, there are still people who just look at me with a blank stare when I talk about seed oil per se. And they still, again, think that a 
a vegetable oil, that sounds like a pretty healthy thing, vegetables. <laughs> so I hope that people become more aware and be more interested. I understand it, see, it can seem overwhelming, I think, and it really flies in the face of many trusted sources that we grew up believing had our best interests at heart. We didn't necessarily see that they'd been captured by industry. And that's another conversation that we've woven in a bit. But if someone isn't wired that way to be a little bit more, huh, let me think about this. then it's really hard for them. And it feels very overwhelming. And they really have to question authorities and institutions that they were never prepared to question. And so, right. I, but I would hope that a conversation like we're having right now and just picking up a book like that, that they would like yours and you've got deep nutrition and fat burn fix. And I know you're working on another book and that's already been wrapped up and you have a publication date. So I'd like to hear about that as well. But yeah, I hope that people would just go, I got to advocate for myself and trying to get to that intuitive state of, okay, what would my body, yeah. <laughs> what all these years of human history, what were people eating that brought us to this day? And let's think about that. And though some of those red meat has been demonized for so long, eggs demonized, maybe let's be a little bit more critical in our thinking. I hope that they would embrace your approach. Deep Nutrition is the book for them. If that's the case, like if you really resonate with the idea of natural systems working together and you wanting to put your body in alignment with nature, Deep Nutrition is the book for that. that that is the first book that I wrote. And that book actually really had a lot of influence on a lot of today's influencers. I was like shocked to get letters from the Dallas Hartwig. He founded Whole30. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> Mark Sisson, who founded Primal Kitchens, the mayonnaise now that it's you can It's in buy. my fridge right now. Yeah. So like a lot of those folks read Deep Nutrition, and it changed the way they think about food. So if it can change these thought leaders, I think it can change anyone's mind. And if they're open to, if you're open to it, and I really think the only thing you have to be open to is trusting that nature is smart. Nature right. knows what she's doing. She's been in the business for billions of years. We just came along recently, <laughs> and we very recently with invention of writing <laughs> only a few thousand years ago and the invention of tools to understand even the components of our body just a couple hundred years ago. We're newcomers here and we really need to have the humility to say that if whatever our little thoughts are about what's healthy goes against what people naturally did and what people naturally tend to enjoy and do, that's a red flag. Mm -hmm. and it demands serious scrutiny before we accept it. Or we can just reject it because it goes against common sense, literally. <laughs> That's what common sense is, right? What is common sense? It's what makes sense because it's what people used to do. And that's how we got here. And now our health authorities are telling us we have to eat these oils that didn't exist before the industrial era. And we call them vegetable oils, but they don't, like, how do you get oil out of corn? It's not exactly oily, right? So it's not something that <laughs> nature intended to be a fat source. That's the common sense level of it that I think appeals to folks even if they don't, aren't like naturally inclined towards science and biochemistry and mathematics right. and being a rebel against the system. <laughs> <laughs> oh. 
Yeah, I fall in the latter category. So it tracked for me. I was like, oh yeah, I'm here for this. If you're interested in processing further as you align your mind, body, and spirit, we're here for you. Head over to loveandlifemedia.com and click on the Work With Us tab. There you can book individual or couples sessions. Or sign up for one of our support groups. Purchase one session or a multiple session package. We'd love to work with you. Sign up at loveandlifemedia.com. Dr. Kate, did we finish the steps? I want to make sure that I know we we hit one and two. So number one is avoid seed oil. Step two is eat slow digesting carbohydrates that are not going to spike your sugar. So slow is not an apple that's going to spike your sugar, but broccoli, cauliflower, carrots, you know, those things with carbs that nuts, of course, nut butters, that's number two. And then number three, I believe is seek salt. Three four, yeah. seek salt and drink water are related, obviously, because right. if you do overdo it with salt, your body's going to tell you to drink water. Mm-hmm. So you can't truly overdose your body with salt because you will be, get thirsty. Even if you don't get thirsty, your kidneys are going to eliminate the salt. Now, if you're on dialysis, that's a different story. But if you're not on dialysis, your kidneys will help you. And so if you like saltier, salt makes vegetables taste better. It makes a lot of things taste better. So it's very important to enjoy that. Drinking water is really to help with the salt, but it's also very important because it will keep you from drinking soda. Yes. (laughs) Right. That's what, that's really what I meant to accomplish with that is like, instead of drinking something that's full of sugar, just drink water. And that's a big step for a lot of people. They can't do it. So I talk a little bit about how to how to go from, you know, sugary, delicious soda with caffeine and stuff like that, how to dial down to get to water. And then the last step is smart supplementation, which I have on a list of how we should supplement. Because there's supplement company, supplements are very lucrative. They are like the natural health world of just drugs, right? And you can convince somebody that they need anything if they have some sciencey sounding stuff behind it. And that's why we have more people spending more money on supplements than ever before in history every single year. We're spending billions and billions on supplements. And most of the supplements are absolutely worthless. But I I tell you, like, it's mostly vitamins and minerals that we need. And if you're on a healthy diet, you are getting all the other little things from the diet. Very important to not spend money on supplements that you could be spending on tastier, higher quality food. While I have you, organics, worth it? Is it, I've heard that they are, but then I also worry that a field over here is organic, this one isn't, and this they're spraying here and it floats over there. What's your thought on that? The most important organic food is animal products because of the concentration of pesticides up the food chain. So you're getting all the pesticides from everything that the animal ate concentrated right. in their body, fat, especially their tissues their eggs, cheese, dairy. That's the best way to spend Mm -hmm. your organic budget to start with. Mm -hmm. And then it's less honestly important than avoiding seed oils. It's less important than the other rules because we do, even though glyphosate is not good for us, we consume it and it gets into our food and our bodies in parts per billion, right? Parts per billion. That is not even a microgram. That's a nanogram. That's nine billion things in a gram. (laughs) And 
And seed oils, we consume in ounces, mm-hmm. right? Yes. So there's a whole different, many orders of magnitude and importance, right? So the it's just so much more important to focus. That's why I, I like to hierarchicalize, right? It's good to know what's good and what's bad. And then that, that's step one. Right. And then step two is, okay, of the bad things, what's right. not really worth the mental stress at this point. Dr. Kate, I want to thank you so much for your time. I've thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. I find it so enlightening. I'm like I said at the top, like you've completely you are the seed oil guru. I'm the seed oil like apostle now and I'm trying to share, spread the word. And I just really appreciate your work so much. Where can listeners find you and then also tell us about your next book? Yeah, so please visit my website, which is drkate.com, D-R-C-A-T-E.com and subscribe. You'll get a lot of free tools that sent to your inbox that help you take a few steps to get started in the right direction. And then you can also learn more about the books that I've already written. The book that I'm writing next does not have a release date yet, but if you subscribe, you will find out about it. But I think the Fat Burn Fix and Deep Nutrition, it's like... All of it teaches is different stuff. And it's all, I think it's all necessary stuff. Right. <laughs> Maybe I'm biased. I spent 20 years in this space and I have learned so much. And I think all of it helps, has helped people. All of it has helped people in different ways. And generally it, just having that mindset of trusting yourself and trusting your own common sense, just do that first. And then trust yourself. And as you go through, if you do decide to read the books or anything, just think, is this making kind of common sense? I know maybe my doctor doesn't, I've not heard this before, but does it make any sense? Because our brains are common sense machines in a lot of cases. Not all of us have that. Like half of people don't actually, and will believe anything. I myself will we're all like that in something. Like I, if somebody tells me, sometimes if people tell me stuff, like socially, I'll believe anything you say. But when it comes to science, <laughs> I don't have a lot of social common sense, at least not very quickly. But when it comes to science, I have a common sense. So at least half the people out there, you trust yourself, trust your gut. And I think if you give it time, even if you don't have that, like Socially, I do eventually figure things out. <laughs> so let it marinate. If you feel like you're not really good with science, just let it marinate and read it again. <laughs> exactly. Thank you again so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on, Karen. Thank you, as always, for sharing a part of your day with us. We're excited to continue to bring you information to help us thrive in love and life in all realms, which certainly involves a holistic understanding of our physical and emotional health. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, make it a great week. Love and Life is produced by Tim May and hosts and executive producer, Dr. Karen Anderson-Abram.